Shalom, this is Rabbi David Tilkiger of Congregation Mayim Chaim, the Eastern Shores Messianic Synagogue in Daphne, Alabama. I want to thank you for taking the time to listen to this podcast of our message from Shabbat service. We pray it is a blessing to you and that you see the beauty and light of Yeshua Meshicheinu Yeshua, our Messiah, in every word you hear. Amen. Avarachmim, Father of mercies, we worship you, we love you, and we adore you. Father, I ask that as we open up your word today that you will breathe boldly into our hearts and our lives, that it will be you speaking, that it will be your word heard and received, that nothing of me will be involved except that which you have ordained specifically for this purpose. Father, breathe new life in us today and move mightily and powerfully in our midst that we may be able to leave here today changed transformed by your Ruach HaKodesh, prepared to impact the world around us for your kingdom and for your glory. Father, we thank you for this Shabbat and everything that you are doing, and we ask you to continue to move as we move into this message and finish out our service today. B'Shem Yeshua Meshachinu. In the name of Yeshua our Messiah, we pray, and everyone says, Amen. Uh, so today, as I said earlier, we are in Parsha Vayichra. We are entering into the book of Leviticus. Um, and if you, if you were here with us last year, then you remember uh, I actually opened up this particular message with a, uh, a short uh, uh, clip from Monty Python's Search for the Holy Grail. Um, and it was the, the holy hand grenade scene, you know, the thou shalt count this to three, thou shalt not count to five, thou shalt not stop it at two, and, and so on and so forth. Um, and it was really funny. The, the reason we started with that was because Leviticus can be uh, a burdensome book, a, com- a confusing book, a, a book with a lot of information that maybe we just don't know what to do with. Um, and, and I'll be forthright and honest and tell you, look, Leviticus is a book that at times I kind of find boring sometimes. It's, it's, it's got a lot of meat. It's got a lot of power. It's got a lot of, of information for us as the body of Messiah to ingest and to digest and to take from uh, and to, to understand the plan of redemption and salvation that was laid before us before the foundations of time itself itself through Messiah Yeshua, um, but it is very repetitive, and there's a lot of stuff going on there, and, uh, and a lot of people reading through the Bible, if you've ever tried to do one of those uh, read the Bible in a year things where you start with Genesis 1 and try to plow through the Bible, um, and you're honest with yourself, you'll admit that likely around Leviticus maybe 7, 8, 12, somewhere in that range, you kind of stalled out. And, uh, and got burdened down, uh, hit, hit, hit the, the weeds a little bit because it was just a, a lot of repetitiveness, a lot of information going on there. But I want to encourage you as we enter into Vayichra in this year's Torah cycle to understand that the reality of the sacrificial system, the tabernacle and temple service, the priestly service that is laid out for us in the book of Leviticus is so vitally important for us to understand because we can't truly grasp the reality of the work of Messiah as our final atonement sacrifice if we don't grasp and understand the reality of what the Word of God says about the uh, foreshadowings, the, the prototypes of that sacrifice that He had prepared us with as we work through the Torah and move through the history of Israel. And so I want to encourage you that uh, as you are reading through the Torah cycle this year, don't walk away because Leviticus gets uh, 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 burdensome or becomes uh, uh, slow to process through. Dig in deeper. Ask the Lord to reveal to you a greater understanding of what He is saying and doing and revealing in this, uh, in this powerful book. With that said, I want to dive right into it. Uh, if you'll open up Leviticus chapter 1, beginning with verse 1, the very beginning of this week's Parsha, Parsha Vaichra, it says, Now Adonai called to Moses and spoke to him out of the tent of meeting, saying, 
speak to Bnei Israel, to the children of Israel, and tell them, when any one of you brings an offering to Adonai, uh, you may present your offering of livestock from the herd or from the flock. So I want to pause there for just a second. Uh, we're not going to deal with the entirety of the parsha. We're going to deal with one particular type of sacrifice that is mentioned or one particular type of korban uh, that is mentioned here in uh, Parsha Vayichra. But I want to lay out for you the, the, that there were five specific uh, uh, types of sacrifices that were uh, laid out in this Parsha that the Lord laid out for us and detailed for us in this Parsha. One was the ascending offering or the olah offering that is wholly raised to God by fire atop the altar. Second were the five varieties of meal offering or the mincha offering prepared with fine flour, olive oil, and frankincense. The third was the peace offering or the shalomim offering, the shalom offering, uh, whose meat was eaten by the one bringing the offering after parts are burned on the altar and parts are given to the kohanim, the priests. Um, there are different types of sin offerings or chatat offerings um, brought to atone for transgressions committed erroneously by the high priest and the entire community of Israel, the king or the ordinary Jew. Um, and then there's also the guilt offering or the asham offering brought by one who has misappropriated property of the sanctuary, who is in uh, doubt as to whether they transgressed a divine prohibition or uh, ha who has committed a betrayal against God by swearing falsely to defraud his fellow man. So if you notice with these five types of uh, korbanot, these five types of sacrifices, that each one in one way or another kind of deals with this idea of atonement and also has some other factors to it, um, whether you're dealing with the peace offering or the chatat, the sin offering, um, or the olah offering, the ascension offering that we're going to talk about today. Um, as you open up or, or continue to read in Leviticus chapter 1, I want to pick up with verse 3. And we're going to deal specifically with this idea of the Olah offering, the Olah sacrifice. Uh, if his sacrifice, uh, verse 3, if his sacrifice is a burnt offering from the herd, he is to present a mel without blemish. He is to offer it at the entrance of the tent of meeting so that he may be accepted before Adonai. He is to lay his hand on the head of the burnt offering so that it will be accepted for him to make atonement on his behalf. He is to slaughter the bull before Adonai. Then Aaron's sons, the Kohanim, are to present the bull and splash it around on the altar that is at the entrance of the tent of meeting. He is to skin the burnt offering and cut it into pieces. The sons of Aaron, the Kohen, are to place fire on the altar and arrange wood upon the fire. Then Aaron's sons, the Kohanim, shall arrange the pieces, the head and the fat, uh, its innards and its legs, I'm sorry, upon the wood that is uh, on the fire with which is atop the altar, but its innards and its legs he is to wash with water. The Kohen should burn it uh, all up as, a smo as smoke on the altar for a burnt offering made by fire, a soothing aroma to Adonai. And then he goes through, if you can't afford uh, to make the offering from the herd, then you can make an offering from the flock, a goat or a, a, a lamb. Uh, and if you can't make afford to, to take the offering from your flock, you can bring it from uh, uh, birds, particularly from turtle doves or young pigeons. So even in something like the Ola offering, there's not this, you know, uh, you know, a lot of times we have this idea that, that the sacrifices are status quo. There's one sacrifice that has to be made, and it doesn't matter if you can afford it or not. This is what's needed, and if you can't bring it, then you're out of luck. 
Well, we see here the grace and the mercy that God provides because this Olah offering, which to some degree does, does have a, a, an aspect of atonement to it because it says in verse 4 that the person bringing the offering is to lay his hands on the altar of the burnt offering so that it will be accepted for him to make atonement on his behalf. And so there is this aspect of atonement in the sacrifice uh, that is being made, but there's also this aspect that goes a little deeper than that because this is actually a sacrifice that is meant to be more of a praise more of an act of worship before the Lord than it is to be specifically something solely for sin atonement right we have the chatat offering we have the 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 offering for uh unknown sins and so on and so forth we have these things that are already in place plus we have Yom Kippur that's an atonement sacrifice and so on and so forth. So we realize that the Olah offering has a little more to it, and it's called the ascension offering, or the offering that ascends by fire. And at the end of this section in verse uh, 9, it says that the burnt offering made by fire is to be a soothing aroma to Adonai. And so it's to act as a, uh, uh, a, a praise offering, a, an act of worship before the Lord and the scent from the, the, the burning carcass. I don't, I don't understand how this becomes soothing, but the scent from the burning carcass is to be a soothing aroma before the Lord. And it's this act of service, this act of obedience that goes into it. And I think it's really interesting because in, in particular, this sacrifice says that outside of the skin, the skin is to be given to the priest, but outside of the skin, the entirety of the sacrifice is to be burnt up on fire, uh, on the fire of the altar. And it talks about how the priests are to arrange the fire and arrange the wood so that the fire itself will consume the entirety of the offering. But it doesn't say that the priests are to start the fire. And actually, if we go forward to Leviticus 9, I'm going to jump into another week's partial, but to go forward to Leviticus 9, verse 23, it says, Moses and Aaron then went into the tent of meeting when they came back out and blessed the people. The glory of Adonai appeared to all the people Fire came out from the presence of Adonai. In the Hebrew, it's Eish Milpanei Adonai, fire from the face of God. Fire came out from the presence of Adonai and devoured the burnt offering and the fat offering. When all the people saw it, they shouted and fell on their faces. And the Torah tells uh, 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 Aaron and his sons, the Kohanim, the priesthood, that they are to never let the fire on the altar go out because this fire is not just a fire that we kindled in our fire pit or in the grill at the house, but instead this is a fire that came directly from the Lord. This is the Eish Milvanecha, the, the fire from the face of God that comes forth before the nation of Israel. And, and the entire nation saw the fire come down and they saw it consume the offering that was on the altar there. And so this is the same fire that the Lord is calling us to make the Olah offering, this ascension offering before him. It's with his fire that comes down from heaven that this offering is to be made. And, and keep in mind that all of the other offerings that are burnt on the altar are the same. They are all elevated in this fire that's a divine fire. But there's something specific and intentional to this idea of the Olah offering. As a matter of fact, when the tabernacle and temple were in active service and in work, these were the offerings that were brought first thing in the morning. These were the offerings that were brought in the afternoon. These were every single day the Olah offerings were brought. This wasn't necessarily something that you brought out of guilt and pain and anguish. It was something that you brought freely to the Lord because you wanted to worship Him. You wanted to give your praise and your adoration to Him. This is a very special type of an offering because it's something that comes from a deeper place than just the idea of guilt and shame and sorrow in our own sinful nature. And so I want to I talk a little further about this because this reality of this, this offering that 
uh, is brought before the Lord that is burned up on the fire. It is something that the, the person bringing the offering takes part in because they bring the sacrifice to the priest. They lay their hands on it in an act of a transference, if you would, like we see with Yom Kippur and the transference of the sins of Israel upon the, the, the goat that is going to be slaughtered. Um, the priest is involved because the priest does the slaughtering, uh, or rather the, the person does the slaughtering, the priest does the sprinkling of the blood um, uh, upon the altar, and then the priest actually does the burning of the carcass of the, the meat of the animal and its organs and then the, the smoke itself goes up in this divine fire that was ignited in, uh, by the presence of God a divine fire that comes from the face of the Lord so this act of worship and service before the Lord actually takes three separate individuals that are involved in it at once right because we have the individual if I bring the Olah offering I am physically involved with it I lay my hands on it for the transference for atonement I slice the animal's throat and then the priest gets involved and actually burns the meat and the organs and the innards of the animal and then the Lord is involved because he's the one that created the fire that was on the altar in the first place and this fire takes up this olah this ascension offering this offering or sacrifice of worship before the Lord and I think that's a really interesting idea because you know we sing this song uh, a lot of times here in the synagogue we sing this song that is rather popular um, in kind of the, the modern praise and worship uh, uh, singing the praise and worship music that's out it's called Greater You Lord right and the song talks talks about how above all else the Lord is is great and mighty but he says it's your breath in our lungs so we pour out our praise we pour out our praise it's your breath in our lungs we pour out our praise to you only and all the earth will shout your praise our hearts will cry these bones will sing great are you Lord and there's this idea that uh, as we worship the Lord as we lift our voices to him as we make in essence a a type of and Ola offering to the Lord of what is available today, right? There's no tabernacle, there's no temple standing in Jerusalem today. We can't go to the priest and bring our offerings to him and have this earthly priest perform the sacrifices on our behalf today because it doesn't exist. It's not standing anymore. There's no way for us to do that. But there is this reality of the act of service that we take before the Lord as we're in worship before him that becomes an act of this Ola offering, of this, this offering of worship, the sacrifice of worship that goes before him and when we look at the fact that the way that this fire was burned up completely and the way that the smoke of this fire was a smoothing a soothing aroma that ascended before the throne of God was because of the fire that God rained down upon the altar and the tabernacle in the wilderness and this is the same fire that the priests continue to keep burning throughout the tabernacle and later on through the temple as the same thing occurs in the temples built uh, when the temple was built by Solomon that this fire from the Lord comes down as well and so we see that there's this act of worship in which we bring something before the Lord and the Lord is involved in this act of worship and I love this song greater you Lord because it's this beautiful image that you know as we breathe in and out every morning when we wake up and we get the opportunity to breathe in the breath of life the reality is is that we are having this opportunity to breathe the breath of God into our hearts and our lungs that breath of life comes from him the fact that when we wake up in the morning we wake up and we breathe at all the fact that we wake up at all is because of the fact that God allows us to continue to breathe His breath. And when we worship Him, when we lift our voices before Him in praise and adoration of who He is, of His character, of His nature, it is His voice that is allowing us to raise this ascension offering of worship 
before him and before his throne. As a matter of fact, in Jewish practice, we have a prayer that is said every morning shortly after waking up called the Modeani. And in the Modeani, we are actually thanking God for allowing our souls or this image of the breath of life to return to us when we wake up in the morning as opposed to us dying in our sleep. We have this opportunity to thank the Lord every single morning for allowing his soul to enter back or our soul to enter back into us so that we can continue to serve him. It's not for our own good and our own purposes. It's that we can continue to serve him. And so as we uh, move forward, I want to go to uh, Galatians chapter 5, verse 16. Galatians chapter 5, verse 16. And I want you to understand that this fire that was ignited on the altar is still a fire that is real and burning today. We look at Acts chapter 2, and I'm not asking you to go there, but in Acts chapter 2, the Spirit of God falls upon the body of Messiah, upon the early believers at the, the temple on Shavuot, on what we, we call in, in most of the body of Messiah today, Pentecost coming from uh, the Septuagint and, and the, the Greek translation of the Torah, the day of Shavuot. And uh, it tells us that when the Spirit of God fell, that it fell and it appeared on the heads of the believers like fire, like tongues of fire upon them. Do I believe that the Lord ignited the heads of the, the, the believers like Peter's head just suddenly caught on fire? No, not in the least. But the presence of the Spirit of God was so tangible and it was so real that the people that were there witnessed it and they saw what looked like the fire, the glory of God. And we think about Moses uh, in, in Exodus as he comes down off the mountain and his face is radiant. It's glowing with the presence of God because he interacted with it. And this is this idea that's being dealt with when it talks about the fire coming down upon the believers but it's the same mentality that we see uh, in Leviticus 9 we see in 2nd Chronicles with the the dedication of the temple and the fire from heaven the fire from the face of God that comes down and ignites the altar and it's that same fire that burns within us as believers in Messiah Yeshua the same fire of the Ruach HaKodesh of the Holy Spirit that burns within us and as we you know look the world around us is a bit crazy right no doubt about it things are a little chaotic and out of whack and none of us really know what's going on but the one thing that is or should be a constant a steady constant in our lives is our dependence on the Ruach HaKodesh on the Holy Spirit our dependence on the breath of life that we breathe in must be returned in praise and adoration to the Lord so Galatians 5 16 says but I say walk by the Ruach and you will not carry out the desires of the flesh for the flesh sets its desires against the Ruach, but the Ruach sets its desires against the flesh. For these are in opposition to one another, so that you cannot do what you want. But if you are led by the Ruach, you are not under the law. Nor Now the deeds of the flesh are clear, sexual immorality, impurity, indecency, idolatry, witchcraft, hostility, strife, jealousy, rage, selfish ambition, dissension, faction, envy, drunkenness, carousing, and things like these. I am warning you, just as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit, the, uh, inherit God's kingdom. But the fruit of the Ruach is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control against such things. There is no law. Now, those who belong to Messiah have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Ruach, let us also walk by the Ruach. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. So first off, I just want to say that if you pay attention to the list of things that are of the flesh, they're all issues that are dealt with in the Torah that the Torah says don't do. And if you pay attention to the things that are dealt with as the fruit of the Spirit, they're all things that are dealt with in the Torah that the Torah says to do. So I just want to put that out there real quick. But aside from that, one of the things that we notice is he separates this idea, he makes this dichotomy of flesh versus spirit, right? Of our flesh, the flesh of mankind, sinful nature versus the reality of the works of the spirit. 
And it's really interesting that he makes this dichotomy because in the Torah, in this week's Parsha, when we deal with the Olah offering, one of the things that it says is that they're actually to take the skin of the sacrifice. The skin is not to be burned up. The meat and the organs are. The skin is to be burnt up, uh, is to be taken off, and the skin goes to the priest to use for whatever they need it for. I guess they needed good shoes or something. I don't know. Um, but the, the priests were the ones that got the skin. The skin was theirs. The flesh itself uh, was theirs, the external flesh. And so I think it's interesting that when we look at the Olah offering and ordering for that or law offering to be made, the individual has to be involved in the transference, the individual is involved in the slaughter, the priest gets involved in taking the skin off of the meat, and the meat and the, the, the organs get burned up on the fire, and then the Lord gets involved in the elevation offering and the ascension offering by his fire being what burns it up, but first it was this necessity for the flesh to be pulled away, Right? And when we do the same thing, we look at this in Galatians, Paul's making a similar image here for us. There's a correlating factor that's here. That in order for our lives to be, uh, to, to be sacrificed, to be crucified of the flesh with its passions and desires because of Messiah's work in our lives, that there's this idea that for our lives to become an Olah offering, to become a worship offering, an ascension offering before him, that the flesh, the old man, has to be torn away. It has to be separated. It has to be dichotomized from who we are so that we can be made new so that all these things of the flesh, the old way uh, for the, that we read about in verse 19, sexual immorality, impurity, indecency, idolatry, witchcraft, hostility, strife, jealousy, rage, selfish ambition, dissension, factions, envy, drunkenness, carousing, and things like these. These are all things of the flesh that get removed as the word of the Lord, as the, the spirit of the Lord begins to continue to settle and, and become a part of who we are and become a part of our real true identity. And as such, then the fruit of the Ruach, the fruit of the spirit begins to pour out from us because the old flesh is torn away and now the spirit of righteousness is a part of who we are. And then love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control become the reality of who we are and what we need in our lives. If we go to Ezekiel 37, we realize that the Lord is giving us kind of a similar image here as we look at this vision that's given to Ezekiel of the dry bones. Most of us are familiar with this idea of the dry bones. Paul Wilbur uh, uh, has a phenomenal song dealing specifically with this passage, and it's beautiful. If you haven't heard it, go look, look for it and listen to it. But the, the passage begins with verse 1. The hand of Adonai was upon me, the Ruach Adonai, the spirit of Adonai carried me out and set me down in the middle of the valley. It was full of bones. He led me all around them. Behold, there were very many on the floor of the valley. Behold, they were very dry. Then he said to me, Son of man, can these bones live? I answered, Adonai Elohim, you know. In other words, God, what are you asking me for? You're God, you know. You can figure this out. Prophesy over these bones, the Lord said to me. Say to them, dry bones, hear the word of Adonai. Thus says Adonai Elohim to these bones, Behold, I will cause ruach, I will cause spirit to enter into you so you will live. I will attach tendons to you, bring flesh on you and cover you with skin. Then I will put breath in you. You will live. You will know that I am Adonai. So I prophesied just as I was commanded. As I prophesied, there was a noise and behold, an earthquake. Then the bones came together, bone to its bone. I saw and behold, there were tendons of on them. Flesh came up and skin covered them, but there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, prophesy to the Ruach, 
prophesy, son of man, say to the Ruach, thus says Adonai Elohim, come from the four winds, Ruach, breathe upon these slain that they may live. So I prophesied just as he commanded me. The Ruach came into them and they lived. They stood up on their feet, a vast army. Then he said to me, son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. Behold, they say, our bones are dried up. Our hope is lost. We are cut off by ourselves. Therefore prophesy and say to them, Thus says Adonai Elohim, Behold, I will open up your graves. I will bring you out of your graves, my people. I will bring you back to the land of Israel. You will know that I am Adonai when I have opened your graves and brought you up out of your graves, my people. I will put my ruach in you. You will live. I will place you in your own land. Then you will know that I, Adonai, have spoken and that I have done it. That is a declaration of Adonai. Notice that as we look at this prophecy of dry bones, which is a promise of the restoration of the nation of Israel, not just physically as we saw in 1948, but a promise of a restoration spiritually of the nation of Israel, of the Jewish people, which we know from Paul's words will mean life from the dead for the rest of the body of Messiah. But there's this idea here in, in Ezekiel 37 and this prophecy of the dry bones. There's this idea of the Spirit of God coming upon them. There's this idea of the breath of life overtaking them. And that in order for them to rise up from the death and the despair and the ashes that is their dry bones nature in their graves that there's this reality of the presence of God the Ruach and the breath of life that must come upon us for us to ascend before him and the same is true we realize this as we look at the the Hadashah and the new covenant writings we see the reality that the power of God has in fact fallen the spirit of God has fallen our lives now as we have taken on the sacrifice of Yeshua we have been immersed in the water and the 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 water of uh uh um uh, the water of Messiah's sacrifice. We've been immersed in the water and resurrected anew as we come out of baptism, as we come out of the, the full immersion, uh, and we take part in his death, burial, and resurrection in this act. And then when we come back out, we are able to now have this idea of the flesh, the old man being rolled away so that the new man who is holy and completely a elevation and ascension offering to the Lord, being led by the fire of the Spirit of God, the fire that comes from the face of the Lord, we are able to walk in power and might for the good of His kingdom and His glory. And the world is able to see that in us. So when we talk about what Paul deals with, with the gifts of the Spirit and the different aspects there uh, that we read about in 1 Corinthians 12, and we see this reality come together, what we realize is, is in order for that to come apart or to come together first, the flesh has to be taken away. Right? We have to willingly, just as the individual bringing the Ola offering before the Lord to worship and praise Him, had to bring that offering in. They had to take part in the sacrifice and the atonement. Then the flesh had to be pulled away in order for that life to become a life that is a soothing aroma before the Lord. In our lives, the old man, the flesh, the nature of flesh has to be pulled away. It has to be taken off so that the new man can arise fresh in the fire of the Holy Spirit and walk forth in the power and the might of what God has in store for us in order for us to see the reality of the truth of this prophecy of Ezekiel 37 which is a definitive prophecy to the nation of Israel but it's also a, a promise to the body of Messiah because look the reality is we have been dead the body of Messiah has been dead for a very long time that doesn't mean that people aren't coming to faith that doesn't mean that we aren't working in the power of the Spirit of God but we are not seeing the Spirit of God move in the body of Messiah as it did in Acts 2 that's not to say that it hasn't been available, but we just have not been willing to be a part of it. And one of the things that the Lord kind of hit me with this week 
as uh, you know, life kind of comes to a halt, right? I work uh, at Soul Caffeine outside the synagogue. I work at Soul Caffeine, the coffee shop, and our coffee shop shut down because of the, the, the virus, and we had to shut down for, for public safety. But the reality is, is when uh, in my daily life, things are so hectic. I talked about it last week briefly. Things are so hectic. I'm constantly on the go and on the move, and now I've been kind of forced to just stop and to stand still. And sure, I've taken on some other things, but I've been forced to stop and to stand still a little more more often. And, and there's this idea that I wholeheartedly believe that we have an opportunity. We can either wallow in sorrow and in pity and in fear and in doubt and in confusion over what's going on around us, or we can take to heart the reality that in this virus, which was meant for evil, God can do something good, right? And with that, I believe it is vitally important that we as the body of Messiah stop, take this opportunity to recognize that God is giving us a chance to recalibrate to reestablish our spiritual walk with Him, to reestablish our prayer life, our li uh, daily time in the Word, to reestablish fasting in our lives on a regular basis, to reestablish re intercessory prayer with other people, to reestablish operating in the power of the Spirit of God rather than operating in the wants and desires of the flesh. It is time now that the body of Messiah recognizes that the Lord is still trying to pull away the flesh, the old man, the old nature of who we are, but we're so comfortable in the world that the way things are and how we're always on the go and moving that we're still holding tight to it. You ever had somebody try to graciously take your coat for you to hang it up in a coat closet? I know that's you know, a weird thing to talk about in the Gulf Coast because it really doesn't get that cold here, but have you ever had somebody try to do that? You know, it's almost impossible if you do this for them to take your coat off of you, Right? And the same is true. If we believe in the power of the Spirit of God, if we believe in the blood of the Lamb, if we believe that salvation has been given to us and we believe in eternal life, but we're still standing here like this, we're getting in God's way. And it's time that we stop standing like this and we start opening our arms up before Him and allow our lives to become an Olah offering, an ascension offering of worship and praise before Him. It's time that we start allowing our lives to become something that impacts the world around us for the good and the glory of His kingdom because honestly, we can't do it on our own. And we definitely can't do it walking the old man. And we walk in the old man, but we talk about the new man, the world sees the lies that we're living. But the world, especially today, and I believe that these are the early days of the birth pains. I believe that we will see Messiah's return sooner than most of us expected. And I believe that part of the reason why so many in the body of Messiah are fearful of what's going on around us is because we are not prepared for what will be happening soon. I believe that there are way too many people bought by the blood of the Lamb that are the, the, the virgins holding empty oil canisters. And it's time that we re rededicate our lives. We take this slowdown, this opportunity to stop and to stand still and to allow the Lord to lead us and guide us in recalibrating our lives. May we place our hands upon the offering as a transference of our errors. May we allow the fire from the face of God to consume the offering of our lives before Him. And may we allow our lives to become a true act of service and worship before Him. In close, I'll read this passage from Romans 12, beginning with verse 1. I urge you, therefore, brothers and sisters, by the mercy of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice holy, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind 
so that you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Avrahamim, Father of mercies, we worship you, we love you, and we adore you. Father, we thank you that in spite of our humanity, our fallen humanity, that you've given us a means for renewal and restoration, a means for revival in you. Lord, I pray that you will move mightily and powerfully in our lives, that you will in fact uh, encourage us to open our hearts and our minds up to this idea of recalibrating our lives in alignment with you, that you will begin to move mightily and powerfully upon us, that many lives will be changed because of the work that you are doing in our lives. Father, just as the nation of Israel and the nations around them saw the fire of your presence on the tabernacle, Father, may the world around us see the fire of your presence upon our households, even as everything around us is out of whack and out of order. Father, may they see the fire of your presence upon us, that they desire and yearn for what we have. And Father, may our lives truly be holy and acceptable before you. May our lives become a living sacrifice of spiritual service before you. Father, may our lives be a life of, of uh, ascension and praise and adoration before you. And may our lives become a soothing aroma as your fire consumes who we are and turns us into who you desire for us to be in your image and likeness. In the name of Yeshua, our Messiah, we pray. Amen.